Well, somebody that's worth praising God over. I'm so proud of Jake and his willingness to to film and share his testimony, to be open and to be honest and be accountable. I, I, I believe that that is part of God's process for our lives. We're going to talk a lot in this series about the challenge. And the challenge is to truly walk out our relationship with Jesus on a daily and certainly a, a weekly basis, not to just make a decision, but go the distance. Hey, listen, one of the ways that I believe we keep our relationship with God in the forefront is by fasting and praying. And, and when I heard something about fasting for the first time in church, I was extremely overwhelmed uh, because I know I don't really look like it. It's because I have a high metabolism, but I really like to eat. I really do. And so when a, when a preacher starts talking about fasting, I'm like, yeah, why don't you do that for all of us? I'm good with you fasting and praying for me, and I'll just reap the reward. So if you've never fasted and prayed before, um, I want to invite you to just, just give up just give up one thing this week. What we're doing is we're, we're giving something up in order to get closer to God. Not because he needs us to, but because we need us to. Okay, so fasting disconnects us from whatever that thing is. And, and most of the time, we just recommend, hey, just pick like one food item, one culinary item, um, one snack item, drinks or sweets, or, you know, I know some people that are nuts and they do like straight coffee, like nothing. They don't drink coffee anymore. I've done that. I'm not doing it this week, but if you want to, you're welcome to do that. I've done that before for 21, 30, 40 days. And it's, it's, it stinks. It's no fun, but whatever your one thing. And then also, May I just suggest that you give like one cultural, maybe entertainment, social media, television. This is our children's least favorite part about the fast. Like they can handle the food. They pout a little bit about like, no, no, no snacks, no candy. They're like, ah, oh, Jesus, that's right. It's okay. But then when we say no television, they're like, what are we going to do? And so then we say, well, we've got this novel idea. Let's spend time together. Like, let's go outside and play. There's so much to be discovered when you don't sit in front of the television. So fast, and don't just fast, but pray. Otherwise, you're just going on a really dumb diet this week, okay? So fast, fast and pray with us. It's just one week. I believe in you. Hey, I want to remind you our third step of Next Steps is today right here in the Children's Center. If you've been through Next Steps, you've completed step one, two, come join us today. If you've never done three, or if you're new here and we haven't gotten a chance to meet you, haven't gotten a chance to meet some of our staff and leaders and board members, love to just serve you lunch and meet and greet, and then we'll let you go. We'll, we'll dismiss you before we hold everybody else captive. So, hey, the journey, the journey begins with a decision, okay? But let me say that anybody can make a decision. Anybody can make a decision. Your decision for Jesus will be defined by the distance that you go with Jesus, Okay, notice, not just for Jesus, but with Jesus. He's, he's not going to send you places he's unwilling to go, 
or that he hasn't already gone. I, I used to watch this show with my dad. I didn't get it when I was younger, but the show was called Seinfeld. Anybody watch Seinfeld? And then when I actually, I began to grow up a little bit, and there's some things that I didn't catch as a kid that I was like, I probably shouldn't have been watching that. But I was watching that in college more, and then I began to actually understand the jokes. And, and I remembered this one episode where Jerry Seinfeld, he made a reservation at a rental company and he was supposed to have a car because he reserved the car. Some of you may remember this and he, and he goes to the desk and it's been a while since I've seen it and I, I didn't go, but he says, he's like, hey, I'm here to pick up my car and he gives her his name and she's like, I'm sorry, sir, we don't have your car. He's like, no, 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 yeah, you do. I made a reservation. She said, yes, sir, we have your reservation. We don't have your car. He's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you took a reservation. I had a reservation. And she said, like, yeah, yeah, we have your reservation, but, but I, we don't have your car. And I'm not going to try to do the Jerry Seinfeld impression. I'm not great at it. He's like, anybody can just take a reservation? Just, Look, I'm taking a reservation. Will I have what you reserve? No, but I took it for you. It doesn't make any sense. Where's my car? I, I thought of that same thing when it came to making a decision. Anybody can just make a decision? <laughs> Anybody can just say, I'm going to follow Jesus. But that decision, which begins the journey, and he purchased you the right to those who believe. That decision begins, but that decision is defined through the distance that you go with him. And in this one-year challenge, we're inviting you to not just try Jesus, but choose Jesus. For one year, every day, everything that you have. I believe that many people live with a dream when they could be living in a destiny. I believe a lot of people have this dream, these desires. But I've seen a lot of people be buried with those dreams and those desires. When they could have been living in their God-given given destiny. In this series, we're going through the, the life and the story of Joseph. <clears throat> and Joseph had a dream when he was 17 years old, but it wasn't until he was 30 years old that he stepped into that dream, stepped into that destiny. I want you to notice that even when he stepped into that destiny 13 years later, we're just asking for one year. Like, we're believing God to perform a miracle in you. <laughs> Thirteen years later, he stepped into that dream. It didn't mean that he fulfilled that dream. Had an opportunity to speak yesterday at a conference that was put together by uh, Judge Terry Hojcik. It was a great conference, a great weekend. And one of the things that I said was, I'd share with you my testimony, but it's still being written. It was just heavy on my heart. That God's not done with what he's doing. I believe that you have a testimony, but I don't believe it's fully written. I believe he's still writing the testimony of your life. And he's just getting started. And as long as you have a heartbeat and you have the breath of the Spirit of God flowing through your lungs, then God still has a destiny and a purpose for you. But between that promise received and that purpose fulfilled... I can promise you there will be some preparation. See, we want to prepare three or four years for 30 and 40 years of reward. But we forget that our Savior prepared 30 years 
for just three years. We forget that when God used men and women in Scripture, He gave them dreams at 17 years old that they didn't step into until they were 30 years old and they didn't fulfill until several years later. And I believe that God wants to prepare us just as much as He wants to purpose us. Hey, that idea of dream to destiny actually comes from a book that I'm reading right now. You can download it on Kindle. You can order it on Amazon. It's very accessible. It's written by Pastor Robert Morris. It's called Dream to Destiny. And in his book, he evaluates the 10 test that he said he sees that Joseph had to go through in order to fulfill that destiny. Now, take a deep breath. We're not going through all 10, okay? We're just going to pick a few and, and go through some of those and linger in this life for a little while. I believe one of the first tests that we see is the test of pride. And I want to talk to you today about the problem with pride. If you will, look with me in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version. This is the history of Jacob. Remember that the Bible gives us this hierarchy, okay, uh, this ancestry, beginning with Abraham, Isaac, the son of Abraham, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac, who in this passage will also become known as Israel. Jacob meant the deceiver. deceiver. Israel meant triumphant in God. You can go read Jacob's story. You see that trans transformation take place in his life. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad, the youngest at that time, was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. Now, Bilhah and Zilpah were the maidservants of Leah and Rachel who were Jacob's wives. So the Bible refers to them as Joseph's father's wives. They were really the maidservants of Leah and Jacob. Leah had six sons. Rachel had two, Joseph and Benjamin. Then Bilhah had two sons, and Zilpah had two sons. And according to their names, they were obviously beautiful women. <laughs> Probably not. But they were there, and they had sons, which was important for the sake of the kingdom because there were, there were 12 needed to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Joseph is out with all of his brothers. And look, the, the last verse, the last sentence of this verse says, Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So he was a tattletale. He ran and told on his brothers. He talked about people instead of talking to people, which let me just, as a parent... I actually teach my child. It's, it's not a tattletale for you to come tell an adult when somebody's doing something they're not supposed to. That doesn't make you a rat, it makes you honest. So if you see something that you're not supposed to see or somebody's doing something they're not supposed to do, you tell an adult, you tell your parents, you let us know because you better hope I don't find out before you tell me. Come on, somebody. We got two rules. Don't lie and you better tell me before I learn. Those are the two. Outside of that, we're okay. But Joseph was good at talking about people, not to people. Verse 3, now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Um, parents, don't do that, okay? As the favorite son of my parents, it just wasn't good. It wasn't beneficial for my siblings, for me to always be the favorite. So obviously in front of everybody, it really hurt their essence. <laughs> 
Joseph was the favorite. Also, his father made him a tunic of many colors, verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all, they hated him. And they could not speak peaceably to him. Which, digging in a little bit, we understand like Joseph had to know that his brothers didn't like him. And I, I just see Joseph, you know, the younger brother, kind of prancing around a little bit in his coat of many colors while they're all working and laboring and doing what their father expects them to do. You know, like when I had to mow the yard and all of a sudden my brother watched other people mow the yard. I'm not bitter, I'm just saying it happened in my life. And so his brothers see this and, and the Bible says like they, it caused them to, to not like this kid and to not even be able to like speak peaceably towards him. And he knew that. And so in his infinite wisdom at 17 years old, which is a joke by the way, because you don't know anything at 17 years old. Joseph verse five had a dream. And he decided it would be a good idea to go to his older brothers who already don't like him and tell them his dream. So they hated him even more. So since they hated him even more, verse 6, he says to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose. And I stood upright. Can you imagine your youngest brother? Let me help all the only children in here, okay? Let me help all the, the, those that are the youngest. This is a bad idea, okay? If my youngest brother stood up in front of me and told me that he had a dream about me bowing down to him, I would rebuke him in the name of Jesus and show him the authority of the first son that God had planted on me. It's not a good idea, I'm telling you. But Joseph thought it was, so he begins to share. I stood, I've lost my, there it is. I stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Verse 8, his brothers said to him, I'm surprised that's all they did was speak back. Shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? And now watch this for the third time in just this short passage. They hated him even more. <laughs> but watch why they hated him. For his dreams and his words. See, it's something about God's chosen that just has a way of being arrogant in their anointing. And offending people who are already away from God, even further a God, from God with the way that they're saying what they're saying. That's why Peter writes that, yeah, we need to give an answer and give an account, but we need to do it gently with meekness. So they hated him for his dreams and his words, verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream, 17. So smart. Got it all figured out. He told his brothers this dream as well. And he said, look, I dreamed another dream. <laughs> They're like, that's good. We're going to throw you in a pit and sell you as a slave. <laughs> Let us hear it. <laughs> 
This time the sun and the moon, all of creation, and the 11 stars, which would be a representation of all the 11 brothers and all the 11 tribes, the 11 stars bowed down to me. Verse 10, telling his brothers wasn't enough, he had to go tell his daddy. Now listen, I'm a daddy and I have a son. And he's, he's not real tall. And, and I know that he's going to get taller. And I'm probably done growing. I mean, I keep growing out a little bit, but as far as going up, it's kind of done Like at this point. So I just imagine my 17-year-old son coming and telling me, Dad, kind of tired of the way you're talking to me. Because I had a dream. <laughs> and I'm going to stand upright. And you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> there may be a day I'm going to bow down to Going to be today. He goes and tells his father and his brothers and his father. Well, he just rebuked him. He should have beat the tar out of him and some sense into him. But he just rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Verse 11. And his brothers envied him. Fourth time. But his father kept the matter in mind. Let me show you one more verse. Genesis 41, 46. Joseph is 30 years old. When he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Not when he fulfilled his destiny, but just when he stepped into it. Thirteen years. We're going to go through some of those tests. What happened between the dream and the destiny? What happened between the promise received and the promise fulfilled? Well, a lot of preparation. If you're taking notes today, number one, I want you to understand that God has a destiny. Hear me. Listen, I, I need you to believe. I need you to understand that God doesn't just have a destiny for me because I'm a pastor. God has a destiny for you because you're a person. He has a destiny for his children. Just like you have a destiny for your children. For, for children that you teach. For children that you see. For children that you do your best to, to minister to or take care of. God has a destiny for you. So how do we get to know that destiny? Numbers chapter 12 verse 6 says, The Lord said to his people, the Israelites, now listen to what I say. If there were a prophet among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. Which is one way that God can speak. He can give you a vision. He can show you beyond where you are. Or, I would speak to them in dreams. Now listen, I'm not, the real, I'm not really the interpreter of dreams thing, because sometimes I just eat bad food. And then sometimes I watch crazy shows, like right before I go to bed. And I've had dreams that I am Jason Bourne. Like I am him. I have all of his abilities and his guns. And I do all the stuff. And nobody can touch me. I'm like, wow, down. I don't think that was from God. Okay? I think that was because of something I was listening to, something I was watching. But I have had dreams that I felt like were from God. And when I have those, I, I want to understand what God's trying to say to me. Verse 7, not so with my servant Moses. In fact, in this passage, if God is only revealing himself in visions and dreams, then you still have some work to do. Because he says, this is not the case with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. And I speak to him face to face. I speak to him clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. Let me say this, if, if you want to know God's destiny for your life, you have to get to know God. If you don't get to know God, then you're not going to get to know his destiny. 
because this is about him and not about us. All of creation is for him and his glory. And the only way to get to know the destiny is to get to know the one who can reveal it and fulfill it. The children of Israel didn't understand this. Moses did. So he sought the Lord. Daniel, in the midst of tragedy and tyranny, listen, in the midst of, of trials in those moments, living in the palace of a barbarian, under the bondage of another nation, Daniel was a slave, and yet his prayer life was consistent and persistent. The Bible says that Daniel would pray the prayers of Jeremiah the prophet because Jeremiah prophesied that the people might go into bondage, but they wouldn't stay in bondage. Come on, I'm telling somebody today that there may have been a moment where you got stuck into bondage, but that doesn't mean that you have to stay into bondage. You can remember the promises of God and begin to prophesy those promises into your life and into the people's life over which Daniel didn't even need to pray the prayer of bondage. He was praying it for people that were stuck in bondage. What that means is that a saint of God can begin to speak in the name of God on behalf of somebody else that's stuck in something that they're not supposed to be in. And when God's people pray, he shows up and reminds them of his promises. God has a destiny. I believe God has a dream. Like we, we say, Pastor Weston says in Next Steps, we believe that your design your desires is an indication of your destiny. Like God made you the way that he made you on purpose for a purpose. And God has a dream and a destiny for your life. But here's the problem. Our dreams get in the way. Our desires get in the way. Our dreams can cloud our, guys, the American dream can cloud our ability. Now, it can be used for God's glory to impact the kingdom in America and around the world unlike any generation has ever been ever to, able to impact it. But our dreams and our desires can cloud our ability to focus on God's destiny. I'll give you the short example. I did not choose a college based on God's destiny for my life. In fact, guys, I, I wasn't even considering it. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to prepare to make a lot of money. I thought the best way for me to make a lot of money was to become an attorney because I was really good at arguing with people. In fact, I was told most of my life, you're either going to be a politician or a pastor. And I thought, well, politicians make way better living than pastors, so let's go this way. And I chose, hear me, I chose my college, my preparatory years. I chose what I was going to prepare for based on a game and a girl. And that girl is not even in my life anymore. It ain't that girl, which was stupid. I shouldn't have chosen the college based on a game and a girl. I should have chosen where and how I wanted to prepare based on what God had for me. But the problem was I wasn't asking him. I wasn't seeking him. And so after I graduated college with a political science degree, which does me no good for what I do for a living, except for the fact that I have a degree, yay for me, I spent the next four years of my life attempting to catch up and feel qualified because I didn't listen to God 
when he was trying to tell me sooner. And so if you did that like me, here's all I'm saying. Stop. Stop now. See, before I could ever pick up God's destiny for my life, I had to lay down my dreams. I had to lay down my desires. Look, God may want you to be a professional athlete. God may want you to be an attorney. God may want you to be a doctor. He may want you to be a, he may want you to be right where you are, prepared for exactly what you've done. And he may want to use that to impact his kingdom in ways that pastors and evangelists and prophets and, and all those other gifts can't. But what if God is trying to show you something different? I know and I believe that in order for me to pick up God's destiny, I have to lay down my desires. Number two, if you're taking notes, I have to give God the glory. We just sang about it. It's his power. It's his glory. It's his presence. Listen, you may think that you're gifted and you have abilities that other people don't have. You may be insecure and say, I'm not gifted and I don't have those abilities. I can promise you that either way that you feel, God gave you whatever he gave you or he didn't give you whatever he didn't give you because he wants you to give him the glory for whatever he did and whatever he does. So whether it's your talent, your ability, your time, your energy. I have this great work ethic. I just don't know how to do things halfway. I just go all out. Well, God gave you that. And when we begin to take credit, listen to me, for what God gave us, we begin to believe more in ourselves than we do Him. And when we begin to believe more in ourselves, we become more like Lucifer than Jesus. Because the original sin was not disobedience. Disobedience by the woman and the man who was standing right there and should have spoken up, but he was too busy staring at her. Come on, it's ever happened to you? Maybe I'm the only one. That's what happened in the moment. The original sin was not disobedience. In fact, it was the pride. It was the arrogance of man that caused them to be disobedient. Remember, the enemy appealed to their arrogance. He said, God knows you will be like him. But any effort to be like God apart from God is pride. So Lucifer was just continuing to operate in the original sin, which is, by the way, what got him and a third of heaven kicked out in the first place because they began to take credit for what God had given. See, when you begin to take credit for your gifts, for your ability, for your job, for your talent, your treasure, your, your anointing, your whatever, then you begin to keep it for yourself. You begin to rob what God requires in the first fruit of your finances. And I share that not because we're in need, because this is the most faithful, or as faithful of a church, I'm not trying to downplay the other churches, but this is as faithful of a church as I've ever been in. And in a month or two months when we didn't come to church, we saw more generosity from this church than we had ever seen before. 
those months of not being in church, you were more, you gave more. We had our best months of giving when we could not come as a church. I was like, we're never opening the doors again. <laughs> but when we begin to take credit for what God gives, we begin to keep it for ourselves. We stop tithing. We stop giving. Why? Because that's ours. We believe that we can do more with 100% than God can do with 90. That's why he requires it, because he needs us to know that everything that we have comes from him, and when we give to him, we can trust him with it. When we begin to take credit for what only God has done and what only God can give, we begin to work seven days a week and burn out. We begin to rob God of the Sabbath and break one of the Ten Commandments, like right there with murder and adultery. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But we believe that we can do more with seven days than God can do with six, so we don't give Him 24 hours because we take credit. But when we shift that and we begin to give God the glory that He deserves... Instead of opening the door to that five-letter curse word, and notice, I'm, I'm not saying cuss word, I'm saying curse word, because it curses us. The, the Bible says God resists the proud. Like, he resists the proud. He doesn't just, like, tolerate pride. He resists the proud. And when we take credit for what God's given, what God's doing, time, talent, treasure, ability, we become prideful. But when we give him glory, we become humble. This is where Joseph missed it. The Bible says his brothers hated him because of his dream and his words. And so I want to say this, be careful not to brag. Be careful not to brag about yourself, about your finances, about your material possessions. Can I caution you? Be careful not to brag about your children. Not only does it irritate the snot out of people, because nobody cares nearly about as much as your kid as you do. <laughs> nobody even really wants to hear it. Like, oh, here they come again. Uh, either run or get ready to sit here and hear about how great their kids are. <laughs> I would be careful bragging about my grandchildren. You know why? Because, I, and, and as much as I want to speak life into my children and celebrate their victories, I want them to know that the battle belongs to the Lord and so does the celebration of the victory. And so I need to be careful allowing my children to hear me brag on them because they may begin to believe what they hear me saying. And David, as anointed as he was as a boy, began to believe the songs that other people sang about him. And where he faced a giant in the spirit of the Lord. And that is what gave him the anointing to overcome ten thousands as Saul only overcame thousands. When he began to believe the songs that the people sang about him, he went down that path. And it led him to adultery. It led him to lies. It led him to murdering his best friend. See, Matthew 12, verse 34, it says, You brood of vipers. Jesus doesn't take it easy on this thing. He says, How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, I can tell you what's in your... Guys, you can listen to your conversations 
and you can know what's in your heart. You can tell the mouth is just an amplifier for what's on the inside. The Bible says choose for yourself this day, blessing or cursing, death or life. If you want to know your choice, just listen to your speech. It's that simple. That was better than y'all. Amen. Maybe you're just letting it simmer. It's a little heavy. If you want to know your choice. Hey, guys, I'm not preaching at you, okay? I'm sharing conviction with you. I have to be careful. Man, how many people? We go all over the state. People ask, man, how many people y'all got coming to church? We're like, Man, you know, before COVID, we had this, and right now we have this. That's amazing. It's incredible. We're like, yeah, 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 but God. (laughs) Like, but God. Praise God. And we do that on purpose. Why? Because we want to verbally remember (laughs) that the Lord gave it, and he can take it away. See, if I believe that I built this, then I'm responsible for it. But when I know that it was only by the hand of God that we get to show you testimonies like what we showed you this morning. See, now I'm just his servant. He can do whatever he wants to. He can send or remove whatever he wants to. We have to deal with the heart of pride. Let me give you some examples of pride. Pride always has to be heard. Pride listens to other people just so they can figure out what to say back. It's pride. Pride interrupts people before they get finished speaking. Pride always has an opinion. Pride always has to comment. (laughs) Like it's premeditated. Guys, it's not that hard. Like type it out and make yourself feel better. Don't send it. Just between you and, you know what I wanted to say. It's like, yes, I do. Don't say it. Because of his dream and his words. You remember the Bible said Jesus, Jesus, I did that in first service too. Joseph brought a bad report about his brothers. He was talking about people before God ever gave him the dream. He already had trouble with his mouth. And then God gives him a dream of his brothers bowing down to him. Listen to me. The dream that God gave him was not a revelation of what God had for him. Because God's destiny for Joseph was not that his brothers would bow down to him. God's destiny for Joseph was that Joseph would forgive and save his brothers. That was God's destiny. God's destiny was to use Joseph to help other people, to serve other people, and to save other people. Joseph's dream that he received from God was really just a revelation of what God had to get out of his heart so he could put the right things into his heart. That's powerful. Joseph had a dream, but God had a destiny. His destiny was to become second to Pharaoh to save two nations from seven years of famine. Listen, God's purpose for me is not to be great. So the question is, why didn't God just give him that dream? Well, because when you're young, you're not really motivated by helping other people. When you're spiritually young, you're not really motivated by helping other people. See, we don't want to be servants. We want to be saved and set up for success. 
we want to be well known. Guys, that's why the prosperity gospel led so many people astray. Because the prosperity gospel, it appeals to our selfishness. But Jesus didn't appeal to selfishness. Jesus appealed to sacrifice. Jesus appealed to surrender. And so God gave Joseph a dream, just like he's given other people a dream, to reveal what is inside of them that God needs to deal with so that he can actually use them when he moves them into their destiny. And God may give me great influence, but I can promise you, he's not giving me influence so that I can be celebrated, but that he can be elevated. That's why God is doing what he's doing in your life. That's why God puts you in America. That's why God puts you where he put you and is doing in you what he's doing in you. That's why he has the destiny for you. It's not so that you can have great influence. It's so that you can have great influence for him. If I can't handle the dream, I'll never make it to the destiny. Number three, got to let God deal with the root. we got to let God deal with the root. Hey, let's lighten it up just for a second as we begin to land the plane. I'm just going to give you an opportunity just to, okay. If you've ever dealt with pride, would you just wave at me? Just wave at me. All right, everybody not waving, you're dealing with pride right now, right now. Just dealt with pride. If I were to ask you if, you, if you've ever dealt with pride more than once, see, if you notice that you keep dealing with the same thing over and over again, it may be because you're not passing the test. Because God doesn't tempt you, according to James, but he will try you. He will test you so that your faith can be proven. And if you find yourself going through the same test over and over again, it could be because you're dealing with the fruit and not the root. It could be because you're, you're focused on the consequence, but God wants to crucify the cause. See, we like to deal with the fruit of the problem, disobedience. But God likes to dig up the root of the problem. The problem with pride is that the root is not pride. Pride is a cover for the root, which is insecurity. So we try to cover insecurity with overconfidence. We try to cover insecurity with bragging and boasting. We're really worried about our children because we see them acting just like everybody else. We try to cover the root issue, which is insecurity. And here's what God wants to do. He doesn't want to just water the thorns. Come on, he wants to dig them up and replace them with a fig tree that produces what he has intended. If pride is in my heart, then insecurity is in my soul. It's deeper than just our conversations. With every new challenge or responsibility comes new insecurities. That's why we continue to deal with pride. Because we may get better at it or we may get used to it. Well, I finally got used to it. It just took me some time to get used to it. I just needed to train and get a little better, and now I feel better about myself. 
Guys, we just increased our pride. Because God doesn't want you to feel better about who you are. He wants you to be, feel better about who you are in Him. So He doesn't want us to be confident in ourselves. He wants us to be confident in His Son. You remember when the enemy came and tempted Jesus? One of the first things the enemy said is, If you are the Son of God... I love Jesus' response. Notice Jesus didn't go, I am to the Son of God. I am to, I'll prove it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't defend him. Why are we so defensive? Because we're so insecure. Why are we so easily offended? Because we're insecure. We're just as emotional about the same exact things as people that don't even believe in God. I've been saying that a lot recently. Because I see the church having a problem. We're just as emotional, just as unstable. I can't believe you'd vote for him, you fool, you idiot. You are going to push somebody away from eternity based on who they vote for? Who cares who they vote for? Is God still in control or not? The root. We're insecure. I don't care who you vote for. I care where you spend eternity. For the sake of my children and what they have to go through, I have certain political platforms that I can have conversations about in private. But in this pulpit, I'm more worried about your soul, come on, than I am your politician. God, deal with the root. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have to say it. He didn't have to say it. He just knew. Can I show you this picture as we close? Do you know how much humility that took? Man, if you knew the details of that story, if you could have sat in that room with that couple, guys, it's a, it, it's a miracle of God. But can I tell you that, that God's still writing that testimony? Not just for them, but for them. God is still writing your testimony, your destiny. It's not done. And God wants to deal with the root. Why? So that he can produce the right kind of fruit. So that he can begin to deal with your insecurity. Address the problem with pride and replace it with his promises. I close with this story. It's kind of a cheesy story, but it illustrates so well. It's the story of the prince and the pauper. Same guy, prince is in the palace. He looks down from the palace and he sees a beautiful maiden. But she's a maiden. She's not a princess. So he leaves his palace. He leaves his throne. And he comes down and he serves as a pauper. Because he doesn't want her to love him because of what he has to offer. He wants her to love him because of who he is. And so for two years he serves, he wins her attention, he wins her affection. And then when he proposes to her, he reveals to her who he really is and he moves her to the palace. He becomes king and he makes her the queen. She doesn't deal with insecurity because she knows she's the queen. Because she knows that the king has changed her identity. And she doesn't deal with 
arrogance or pride because she remembers that without the king, she would still be nothing. So if you're dealing with insecurity, I came to remind you today that to those who believe they have been given the right to be called children of God. See, knowing that you are a child of the king will deal with your insecurity because identity trumps insecurity every time that you remember who you are in your creator, in your father, and in your savior. But remembering who you would be apart from him, that's what deals with the pride. Remembering where you came from and what he had to forgive you of. See, that's what helped Joseph stand before his brothers. When they bowed down to him, he realized, man, this is, my destiny is not them bowing. My destiny is me forgiving. My destiny is not this palace. My destiny is God's purpose. Would you close your eyes, bow your head with me? I wanna invite you to evaluate. God, is there any area of arrogance in my life? Help me to evaluate my choice by listening to my speech. God, do I have any pride in my heart? I, this stuff is hard enough. I, I don't want to be resisted by a holy and perfect heavenly father because I'm prideful. And I know that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I know that if I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, that you can begin to use me. So here I am, Lord. Expose anything that needs to be exposed. Reveal anything that needs to be revealed. And thank you for your grace, your mercy, but for your glory. God, I pray right now for anybody in here that's not confident of who they are in you. They haven't been living for you. They've fallen away. They've drifted away. God, right now, I lift up every person that needs to commit their lives to you, that needs to receive salvation, that needs to recommit their lives to you and become like the son that left the trough and returned back home to the father. God, right now, I lift up anybody that needs to confess you as Lord or confess you again as Lord. Hey, if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you before we move, before we gather our things, come on, as the church is praying and pleading the blood of Jesus and thanking the Holy Spirit for moving freely in this place this morning, I want to invite you, if you need to receive salvation today, the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer, if you need to be saved, if you need to commit or recommit your life to Him, 
I want to invite you right now, whether you're in the house or you're watching online, to very simply open your hands in your lap as if you're receiving a gift. As we say almost every week, because God gave his only son and Jesus gave his life, but you have to receive. The receiving is up to you. You do that by confessing him as Lord, believing that God raised him from the dead. Come on, if you need to leave here confident of who you are in Christ today, church, I wanna ask for you to support anybody that needs to make this confession, pray this prayer, If the Holy Spirit is stirring in you, come on, let's pray this prayer together out loud today. Come on, say it with me. Jesus, forgive me of my pride, my insecurity, any area where I've fallen short of your glory. Cleanse me. Save me. I believe you gave your life and you were raised from the dead. Take my life. Make it yours. I surrender anything, everything I've been holding on to. It's yours. I release. I receive your salvation, your destiny, your plan, and your purpose. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. I accept the challenge in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we praise God?